Hello and welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are Booksmen. And Tom, mm-hmm. this week we're embarking on a shitty book. You don't know that. I don't know that. A book that I didn't know existed because it's been overshadowed by the movie adaptation of it. Right. Uh, We are reading Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, which was the inspiration for 1988, 89's Die Hard? I think 88, Die Hard. Yeah. Die Hard, the movie. Well, now I'm just looking at Car Batteries, 1988. Nice. Is when that- Tom? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know this book existed? You know what? It's one of those things that I knew, but like, oh, we kept forgetting about. Like, I, it's one of those things where I would see the book in the bookstore occasionally and be like, oh, right. I remember hearing that it was based on a book, uh, but then promptly forgot about that. Right. Now. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm trying to get some actual business done at the top of this episode. Right. I'm sorry if 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 I'm being too serious, mm-hmm. but I have never seen Die Hard. Right? Did you know that about me when you chose this book? Uh, I knew you're the type of person that hates when people say Die Hard's their favorite Christmas movie in a way that they think makes them sound interesting. If it's yeah. legitimately your favorite Christmas movie, that's fine. But, like, the people that brag about it, like, oh, I bet yours is, like, some bullshit for kids. Mine has cursing yeah. and, and killing in it, so fuck and off. And also, like, also say, like, with a mischievous grin on yeah. that's just kind of like, oh, didn't expect that, right? You didn't, You probably didn't even think of that as a Christmas movie. Yeah. I have no opinion on that debate because I've never seen the film but I am aware that it takes place at Christmas time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what my takeaway from it would be, that it takes place at Christmas time. I believe it takes place on Christmas Eve, but, like, I don't know. It's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Movies can... Ba- uh, Batman Returns takes place during Christmas, and nobody claims that that's a Christmas movie. That's true, but Here's, it feels like a Christmas movie in some ways. Just I mean, the I vibe. guess, but like, Ed, yeah. does anything in you know that takes place over this two week period just automatic? I I guess that's really where the line is. Do you consider any movie that takes place during Christmas fundamentally that makes it a Christmas movie, or does it have to embrace the holiday in some way? And have like a happy ending and and be, you know, a, a bit of a morality tale uh, in that way. Right. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Probably Christmas Vacation. National yeah. Lampoon. You're just a big Randy Quaid guy, right? <laughs> Only recently, but yeah. Um. Yeah, that that's that's unabashedly a, a Christmas exactly. movie. Exactly. The, hey, the word's right in the title. Yeah. So that's, I mean, and that's another way you could, you could frame it. Is this movie about Christmas or is it about something else? And it happens to take place during Christmas, which is where I think Die Hard and Batman Returns fall in. Um, right. But and however, I love that they take place during Christmas. Like that's a fun flavor to put into those types of movies. 
because uh, it's spice things up with a little bit of Christmas cheer. Well, because it's like, oh, you normally don't see this particular backdrop uh, in in movies that have nothing to do otherwise with the holiday. Let me ask you this, Tom. Home mm-hmm. Alone. Yes. That movie would have been compelling um, if the family went to Paris uh, for spring break, for school spring break, right? Mm-hmm. And left Kevin behind. Yes. Um, but I consider Home Alone to be definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah, because again, I think it's like, well, he's off from school. The movie doesn't work unless he's off from school. Um, right, and- but that that would be, you know, there there's a week, there's a Christmas vacation, uh, there's a spring vacation. That's true. Week in elementary school where like, that's when it's difficult. It's when prices go up at Disney World and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I still think that that movie, that movie, that's an interesting point because, like, it's not really about Christmas, but I guess it kind of is. Like, that's why the whole family's going on a vacation together. Uh, and same thing for Home Alone 2. That's like, well, we're doing this because it's Christmas, and at Christmas you spend time with your family. But what if you didn't have your family during this time where normally you do and you're a little kid home alone? Right. But he's not like bummed that he's not getting presents, you know? No, but he later. There are more pressing concerns. It's survival and it's protecting his home. But by the end, he misses his family. He wants them back. Yeah, but you would. uh, The freaking eight year old would miss their family after a week or however long. It's weird that I don't know how many days. I know all the the Home Alone facts, Tom. Tom, I watched. uh, I don't think it's a week. I would say it's maybe three or four days he's alone. Yeah. 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 Because Catherine O'Hara is like trying her damnedest to get back the whole time. It wouldn't take her a week. Yeah. Um, It was kind of tough, Tom. I watched Home Alone 2 Mm -hmm. um, or part of it. Um, They've reinstated the. uh, the guy from The Apprentice, the the real estate guy, uh, Donald Trump. Oh, in, okay. He's, uh, he's back in the movie? He's back in the movie, the cameo. That's good and for And then him. right after that, um, I watched some of Christmas Vacation, and it was like, hey, Randy Quaid, hey, these guys are <laughs> peas in a pod. My two favorite Christmas movies have uh, my two favorite guys in them. <laughs> yep. Hey, I'm glad uh, they're getting royalties from this. And they've teamed up for this holiday season. Yep. It's almost like they have their own buddy comedy this year. Yeah, it's like Home Alone cross with Christmas Vacation. Oh. What could get any better than that? I mean, that's fun in a movie. I don't know if that's a reality that I want to live in. <laughs> uh, I Honestly, a buddy comedy with Randy Newman and Donald Trump, I think could be pretty good. <laughs> Like a road uh, trip Randy comedy, Quaid, but Ran- I would yeah. also take Randy, <laughs> Randy Newman. Newman. <laughs> no, I think hey, the Randy out with Randy Newman. No, the Randy Newman one would just be quiet. You <laughs> <laughs> would just be mad. You'd be too mad yeah. to say anything. But Randy Quaid and Donald Trump, uh, trains, planes, and automobiles reboot starting oh, the two yeah. of them. Hey, I'd watch it. Why not? Why not? Oh. You know, the, because these two men are awful. That's no reason to not see a movie. I've seen plenty of movies with awful men in them. Yeah, most movies. Yeah, a lot of movies have awful men in them. Now, Tom, mm-hmm. here's a point of order that um, probably, if we were better at planning, if some of us posted a 
poll a little bit earlier than Uh they did. A point of order would be, would it be more effective for me to watch Die Hard before talking about it? Because now you're going to read the book. Right. And you know the movie pretty well. Mm-hmm. So you're, and everybody's seen the movie. I'm one of like eight people on earth who hasn't seen <laughs> right. this movie. And it's not any kind of point of pride for me. Uh-huh. Um, I just have blind spots. I'm, I'm not like, I'll never watch. Uh, yeah. I'm so proud of never having seen this movie. No, I'd like to see it. I hear it's good. Mm-hmm. Just don't know how. I don't know how to see it. <laughs> um, right. You're not allowed to but, see rated R movies, which I, I'm surprised hasn't come up earlier on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, I every time I turn on a film, I call my my parents and, and clear it with them. <laughs> yeah, well, they send you a um, lot of uh, movies that they've edited for you to watch. Yeah, them or their church group. Yeah. Um, and you know some that uh, you know they've uh, they send the Left Behind movies mm-hmm. a lot. I uh, think that's some... why you like short movies so much because a lot of movies. You're like, oh, I love Terminator. It's a tight 45 minutes in and out. And it's like, oh, no, Tim, that movie's much longer than that. Uh, you've just edited out all the sex and, and violence. Right. Okay. So what my question is. Yes. Before next week, mm-hmm. should I watch Die Hard so then we can together compare how the book differs from the movie if at all i don't think so just because i think it'll be interesting for you to know the story going into the movie and and to kind of feel like i kind of know the story well exactly but but do you know the story all right but you know you know the movie so well i don't know it so well but are you one of these people that are just like Look, I think there are two camps of people. The uh, Back to the Future is the perfect movie <laughs> camp, and the Die Hard is the perfect movie camp, right? right. Uh-huh. Where it's like, there's never been a tighter script. Yeah. Um, and you're firmly in the Back to the Future. Category, yes. Right? Although I think Die Hard is, uh, yeah, like a very well-made. One, I think one of the reasons why it's so popular is because... And, and I think, honestly, one of the reasons why Bruce Willis became a, such a huge star for a while there is because this is just like a very well is Sean McTiernan, like he knows how to make a movie. And it's just a very well done action movie, I think, especially at a time, 1988, when there was a glut of action movies that weren't good like there were just so many action movies and it was just everybody was trying to top each other with blood and violence and nudity and stuff and the movies got and look i love some of these movies but they got ridiculous whereas die hard never gets like really all that ridiculous or really all that unbelievable which is why people really dislike the later movies because they became more like, you know, Fast and Furious style, like, oh, this person's essentially a superhuman. You didn't, like, live free or die hard? I never saw it, but but I know people hate it. And I and that's one of the reasons, because, like, you know, and, and believe me, I love, you know, I love all the Marvel movies. I love movies that take place in a heightened reality, but that's not what people liked about Die Hard. People like right. that Die Hard was 
it wasn't completely grounded, but it was more grounded than a lot of other action movies of the time, I think. I forgot about A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. There's a lot of Die Hard movies. There are there a are lot of Die Die Hard movies? That sounds right, yeah. But only the Die first hard. three are good. Die Hard 2. Is Die Hard 2 good? Die Hard 2 is good. It's not as good, but uh, it's not bad. Die Hard 3. Um, with a Vengeance. Die Hard with a Vengeance. That one is definitely the second best one or the first best one, depending on who you ask. I've seen um, the first quarter, third, half of that movie. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. I well, I TV. mean, and like... Th- that movie they added samuel L. jackson who's really fun in the movie mm-hmm. uh which added like he and i feel like the later movies they were like okay we'll like start giving them like fun sidekicks except they didn't hire fun <laughs> they didn't hire people like samuel L. jackson like people that talented to uh they hired shia the beef yeah they hired shia labeouf they got uh what's his name the guy from the um avatar movies who's that I forget his name, but I think he was in them at some point. Which, no, it wasn't Shia LaBeouf. It was Justin Long, I thought. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, I did, like Justin Yeah, Long. but he's not like a diehard person. You know, he's comic relief, but like, I don't know. Samuel L. Jackson was able to be comic relief in Die Hard with a Vengeance without being silly. Right. Uh, whereas I think in later movies, they were like, well, we need the comic relief to be silly. And it just totally didn't fit. Got it. Maybe I should watch all the Die Hard movies. Yeah, that wouldn't fit with the Christmas. <laughs> and I don't want to watch all those movies. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to hear about the book, Tim? Yeah. So it's called um, Nothing Lasts Forever. Yes. Even Cold November Rain. <laughs> right. Uh it is base it is a uh 1979 novel which uh was confusing to me as as I was starting to read it because I was like when did this take place because right up front some big changes. The lead character's name is not John McClane, his name is Joe Leland. Joe Leland. Yes. And get this. It's not John McCain, it's Joe Lieberman. <laughs> that was just, that was just using some old politicians' names, Tom. Uh, but get this. He's not... Uh, I, I believe in, in Die Hard, John McClane is uh, recently divorced. And I don't know if he has a kid. I don't think he has a kid yet. I think, I think in the Die Hard universe he like gets back with his wife at some point and has a kid but then breaks up with her again um but in this joe leland is older he is a grandfather he is a world war ii vet uh, a decorated fighter pilot uh during world war ii and uh he got a divorce from his wife 16 years ago his wife died his ex-wife died eight years ago and uh he is traveling to los angeles to visit his i forget where he's i think he's coming from chicago which i i think is also the same in the movie i'm gonna try not to talk about the movie too much um 
but he is uh, uh, traveling to Los Angeles on Christmas Eve to be with his daughter, who is an executive assistant for a oil company in Los Angeles. His daughter is recently divorced and ah. uh, has two children. So he has two grandchildren. And uh, Joe Leland is so he's a former fighter pilot. He is a retired NYPD cop, uh, NYPD detective. And uh, I forget if he's retired from after he retired from being a cop, he opened up like a private investigation security firm type thing. And Tom, I, I'm seeing here mm-hmm. that this book in itself in and of itself is a sequel to a Roderick Thorpe uh, novel from 1966 called The Detective. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny that they uh, uh, based a movie on the second book in a series. Yeah. There. Uh, also, I know for sure Die Hard 2, and then I also think Die Hard 4 are based on novels that are, you know, by different authors, <laughs> like unrelated yeah. Uh, you know, it seemed like for for a bit, this was kind of like a good, um, you know, uh, a way to get these like, you know, thriller novels made into movies was like, well, we'll just put it into the Die Hard franchise. And now it's a Die right. Hard movie. Yeah, they rewrite them to, to they, fit. They have, uh, Bruce Willis. Um, they're, uh, Tom, I eh, never mind. <laughs> what? I missed a chance earlier. You said that. uh you thought uh, Bruce Willis became a big star because of Die Hard, and uh-huh. I was going to say, I think he became a, good, a big star because of his uh, album, The Return of Bruno. <laughs> no, Tim, this is what allowed him to make the the album Return yeah, of Bruno. Yeah, I think that's what really uh, put him on most people's radar, the album, The Return of Bruno. Anyway, Joe Leland, uh, he's on the way to the airport. Uh, the, the title of the chapter is 3.49 p.m. Central Standard Time. Which so is this like a 24 situation? Yes, exactly. And that's what I was so excited when I saw the table of contents. I was like, yes, this novel's taking place in real time. Now that Bing. I can get behind. Bing. Bing. I would Bing. have I would have appreciated Bing. actually Bing. something along those lines, like a built-in metronome into the book to let me know what pace to read at so I right. keep in real time. Uh, but But he's on the way. He, uh, he's, you know, the cab driver's like talking to him about uh, uh, these atrocities in Africa that are happening in the late 70s. Um, and uh, all of a sudden it, it's snowing. The cab crashes into a car that like stops short uh, uh, a station wagon. And, you know, uh, he says the guy comes out of the car and he's a man mountain, not a mountain man, a man mountain. A man who uh, appears as a mountain. Yeah, a man so big, he appears to be a mountain. And uh, this guy, he's like, oh, I I know this type from being a cop. This this type of person's like bad news. They're, you know, I can tell this guy's got a short fuse. He's unpredictable. And he's like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm going to miss my flight. Also, I'm remembering this, this is the 70s. And he's like, my plane leaves in 20 minutes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's like still on the road. <laughs> um, but he's like coming into the departure uh, area of the airport. Right. Um, they get into like an argument, the, the mountain man, the man mountain and the cab driver. And he tells the cab driver, like, you know, uh, the cab driver just like pulls ahead. Um, cause he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be late. Just drive, man. Uh, so like the cab driver tells the guy, like, I'm, he, I've got, you know, he's got to get to, uh, you know, come meet me up there. We'll figure this out. And the guy's like, no, you're not, you're not going to do that. Uh, you know, you're just going to take off. And then he calls him the N word which is not nice at all. Uh, so the guy, so the cab driver does just be like, you know, I forget this guy and starts driving. And uh, Joe Leland's like, Oh, if there's like any trouble with that guy, um, I, you know, I've got my gun on me. And the guy's like, Whoa, he's like, how do you get that on the plane? He's like, well, I have a special gun card. And they talk about the special gun card for a minute. Um, and then uh, the Were station, like, why don't you just, 3D print a plastic gun to bring in a plane like I do. <laughs> no, I'm just remembering too, like I, I'm seeing in the notes. God, I mean, the book had the N word a few pages in. And then also, the you lo- sure know how to pick them, Tom. I know. Then, literally, there's a line from that I wrote down here. Like so many blacks, he had the gift of language. I'm like, oh, come on, don't. <laughs> but that, that was of the time of it's like, what? It's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, he exactly. had the gift of language. He was good. Um, but Tom, uh, let me ask you this real quick. Okay. This is in real time, mm-hmm. essentially, right? Yes. The chapters yeah. are. Do you feel an anxiety? Like, do you uh, know? Like, do you take a look at what the next chapter is and try to keep pace so you are experiencing it in in real time no because i mean it's happening faster than it would happen also there's a time zone change so then i'm really there are two time zone changes i apologize so uh, you know i just kind of gave up on that it it's interesting to know and i assume like looking at the chapters there are like time not like huge time jumps, but I think like times where it's like, well, two hours, three hours passed here in one chapter. So not that right. much happened, but we're still going to cover everything that happened. Got it. Okay. Um, so anyway, the station wagon rams into the car and uh, uh, Joe, Joe takes his gun out and points it at the guy. <laughs> And then that gets the guy to, to you Which know. you could just do at the airport back then. And, like, maybe <laughs> well, a cop would come by and be like, hey, what's going on? Here? Yeah, well, and then he's like, well, he realizes after he's like, ah, shit, I shouldn't have, like, pointed a gun at the guy. Yeah. I'm not actually a cop anymore. Like, I'm, I'm licensed to have this, but, like, you know, the cops are going to come to, you know, investigate this accident and everything. And, like, I don't need this guy saying, like, yeah, and his, cl- you know, passenger pulled a gun on me. But the the driver is like, hey, I didn't see anything, you know, because he's like, yeah, this guy's standing up for me. Um, yeah. He they get to the oh, Joe got like a gash on his forehead from the accident. So he's like bleeding. Uh, but they they get to the departure terminal and Joe gives them like a $25, which uh, I don't know what that was considered at the time, but it's like way more than he owed. And the guy's like, no, I got in a car accident, man. The ride's on me. And he's like, nah, nah, take this. 
Um, I thought he was going to be, I got got in a car accident. I'm going to need a lot more money than that. (laughs) Um, But then he sees a cop inside. So he's like, I'm going to go flag down a cop for you, you know, because, yeah, that that maniac's probably on his way here. And uh, he, I forget what he says to the cop, but uh, the cop, uh, I've never heard this term, but instead of saying like, uh, come on, don't bullshit me. He goes, don't juice my fruit. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's like, I think he asked like, did you pull your gun on him? And he's like, no. And he's like, come on, don't juice my fruit. And he's like, ah. uh, he was like, I told him I had a gun. He's like, all right. I want to um, learn some 70s sass. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't juice, juice my, my fruit. fruit. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, he gets to the gate. <laughs> Keep in mind. He was on the highway 20 minutes to take off. He gets to the gate and he asks the person, do I have time for a long distance phone call before I have to get on the plane? I'm like, time. what does that have to do with it? But then I realized that he has to call an operator, read his credit card number to the operator to make uh, this yeah. long distance phone call. Um, and the whole time he's calling his daughter uh, and the whole time he's he's thinking about how the the cab driver is talking about, you know, the, the people getting their uh, penises cut off in Africa at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some kind of like a uh, civil war violence happening. And then he's remembering how he had a case that he began. Oh, so by this point too, like people kind of recognize him, like the cop recognized them. So then you find out like, oh, he's kind of a famous cop because he handled a few big cases. And one of the cases was this guy who was found dead with his penis chopped off and they determined it was the roommate. And the roommate uh, got the chair for it. And he was the like, electric chair. yeah, and he was like, this is when they were sending people to the chair every week. Um, oh, and, the, and the, the, the roommate's name was Tesla, like the car. Hmm. Like the man, like the, the rival of Edison. Exactly. Um, but then he's thinking later about how. Uh, you know, they they put Tesla in the chair and then six years later, they found out it wasn't him. <laughs> it was uh, 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 a guy who I don't know how they found each other, but it was like a, uh, uh, a gay man who was closeted that met up with this guy and then got like real mad about being gay and like took it out on this guy and killed him and then chopped off his fingers and penis to make it not look like it was just like a you know act of rage or whatever lover yeah um and this book has weird politics so it's like oh so this is gonna be an anti uh uh uh, capital punishment that's go up nope you're demonizing (laughs) gay people for no good reason though okay well but but the the victim was uh, like an openly gay man right so okay. so it was, you know, that this guy w- was not accepting of who he was and took it out on somebody else. Right. And obviously Joe Leland has been dealing with this guilt of like, I sent the wrong person to the electric chair. Um, and this guy got um, found because he uh, uh, he was caught committing fraud for his company or whatever and killed himself. And I think maybe in like the suicide note mentioned it. Oh, but then apparently like uh, Joe Leland like had a romance with this woman 
This might have been what the woman with, with the widow, the newly widowed woman. Yeah. Yeah. Of the roommate? Of the, the murderer. Oh, because he was a closeted gay man, so he yes. had a wife. Yeah, he had a wife. Okay. And, and I'm thinking now, maybe this was the plot. Of this the, is a whole the, mess. Of the earlier book. Yeah. Um. Anyway, next chapter. He gets on the plane, 5, 10 p.m., Mountain Standard Time now. Not Central Standard, Mountain Standard. Um. Tom, can I just tell you something? What? The book that this book is a sequel to is called The Detective, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. It was written in 1966 Mm -hmm. and was made into a movie in 1968 starring Frank Sinatra as Detective Joe Leland. Wow. Um, It was uh, one of the highest grossing films of 1968. Huh. That's and it wa- was one of the strongest box office hits of Sinatra's acting career. Wow. That's wild because Sinatra is mentioned at one point. I, I don't think I have it in my notes. I forget exactly when, but he mentioned Sinatra. And it seems like that's a little nod. Hmm. Um, a nod to the chairman of the board himself. <laughs> I, I put a nod to the chairman in everything that I do. Because <laughs> it's only right. It's Frank. Hey, it it's Frankie. It's old blue eyes. Yeah. Um. So he's on the plane now. A uh, flight attendant comes over and is like, oh, I heard, you know, she has like bandages and stuff. And she's like, we got to call ahead about you and everything. Um, and then she's like, can I get you a double scotch? And he's like, no, just a Coke will be fine. And then she brings that. And then later she's like, how many years have you been sober? And uh, he tells her like, oh, yeah, you know, eight years or whatever. And then she tells him about her sobriety he goes into the galley later to chat with that with her. He's a grandfather. She's thirty five, but I don't know how old a grandfather is in in these days. I don't yeah. think he's super old. I think he's maybe in his fifties. He might be forty eight. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they wind up uh, having a little smooch in the galley. He smooches Just with the smooch? flight attendant. Yeah, because she he didn't join any clubs, did he? No, she gives him her number to to call her while while he's in uh los angeles because she lives in san diego um kind of close well that's it comes up later where like his daughter's like no she's not home yet <laughs> like <laughs> um but anyway uh they oh so they he sees the hollywood sign and he says the last time i saw this sign it was it said holy wad and I didn't realize... Is that in, a joke? No, in the, like, 70s, the Hollywood sign was so deteriorated that one of the O's was gone, and the first O, the top, was gone. So it said, holy wad. Uh. And, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hugh Hefner led the restoration for that, and a bunch Ooh. of uh, celebrities and stuff paid... For each, you know, made a donation for each letter, and then that uh, totaled to $250,000, and they used that money to make, like, a permanent Hollywood sign, because apparently the original Hollywood sign was only meant to stand for, like, 18, 18 months. Yeah, it was a real estate developer. Yeah, thing, so right? it wasn't permanent, so this was to, like, build a permanent one. 
Do you know who bought, who paid for the second O in the Hollywood sign? Who? This is like a real good trivia question. You'll never uh, guess. Burt Lancaster. Alice Cooper. Ah. And he did it in memory of Groucho Marx. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I bet right. that was your next guess. I bet it was Alice <laughs> Cooper in the memory of Groucho Marx. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, right? 602 p.m. Alice Cooper's pretty cool. He he's he knows a lot about Mil- Milwaukee. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, that's for goddamn sure. Uh, 602 Pacific Standard Time now. Um, he's uh, uh, in a limo that's taking him to his daughter's mm. big office. Um, he's thinking about his uh, when he and his wife uh, split up and that his wife one night with a glass of wine in her hand uh, laid out this like big screed. And I have uh, I just transcribed the 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 last of it was. Uh, it's not that I don't approve of you, jo- uh, Joe. It's that I don't even like you anymore. There it is. The sex, when it comes, only makes me want to kill you. Get out, Joe. Get out now. <laughs> want to kill you? <laughs> yeah. So she's complaining the sex when it comes. So it's not even that often. But then when it happens, I want to kill you. That, I mean, it's more than just bad. Yeah. So they had like a very messy divorce. She like sued uh, for, you know, for like half of his business and stuff. And like he hadn't seen her in years and then she died. So like, you know, he kind of he has a lot of hang ups about that, obviously. Right. And he's got uh, a lot going on in his head. Yeah. Well, and then he's driving around L.A. and he's uh, thinking about how much he hates L.A. And he <laughs> mentions that there are gross public insults like pizza shacks with signs that leered had a piece lately. Yeah. I mean, I guess, <laughs> uh, he talks about, uh, how, uh, hula hoop skateboards and drive-ins were invented in California. And the people here are in love with their inventions. <laughs> uh, he pulls up to the building. He sees a Jaguar, like an old Jaguar, parked next to the building and he can see a CB radio antenna on the roof and then sees the driver that he's got a CB radio in his hand and the driver's looking at him. And when he sees him looking at him, he like hides the CB radio. So he's like, that guy didn't want me to see that he has a CB radio. That's weird. So he goes inside and he mentions that to the uh, security guard. And right when he comes up to the security guard, he's like, are you a cop? Uh, and the, the guy working the security desk is like, yeah, I am. He's like, so am I, I'm going for my wallet and like (laughs) reaches for his wallet where it's like, do you think this like security guard at a corporate office is like that on edge that he's going to pull his gun if you reach? Um, I mean, was this before the time? I guess it is. I think uh, pre nine 11. Yeah. You didn't have to, you didn't have to pull out your wallet and give your ID whenever entering an office building. Right. Right. But like, that's not what the security guard was, was there for. Right. Yeah. But he was showing him, I think he was showing him his ID just to show like, I have a concealed carry permit. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, he tells the security guard about the Jag and he, the security guard's like, all right, I'll, I'll call that in. Like there's a jewelry store across the street. They might, you know, that might be somebody casing it. And he's like, I'll call it. In. And he's like, ah, you know, it's Christmas Eve. And the guy's like, nah, you know what? They got some young cops working tonight and like, yeah, he can get a good collar. That'll help him out. Um and then he, he talks about how he's like, man, if the general public knew the nights of the year when like almost nobody in the police are working, <laughs> that would be really bad. Um, but he hears that there's like a huge party going on in the building. And uh, excuse my language, but this is what the the oh, older man says, <laughs> the security guard. They pulled something over on the Arabs. Uh, keep in mind, this is an oil company. The place is full of young cunt, kids, everything. What? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, and he's like, all right, cool. So I'll just go visit my daughter here, I guess. <laughs> um, 7.14 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. He gets up there. Uh, to the There is a big party going on. The, this lady uh, comes up to him. She's like, hey. And he's like, I'm looking for my daughter. And she's like, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, brings him to this, like, you know, an office room. And he goes in um, and he's talking about his daughter. And, his, you know, his daughter, like I said, is recently divorced. And he's talking about how the guy she was married to was real shitty, but also, like, a lot like him. And she's and he's like, ah, she like definitely married this guy because he reminded her of me, which is a whole other thing. But yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and there are like three other executives in there, all all men. And uh, uh, one of the guys says, uh, I forget. Oh, he tells him, like, don't call me Mr. Leland. Call me Joe. And they says to the one guy, I feel old enough with a gray beard like you treating me like Santa Claus. <laughs> and he, he refers to this guy as like a guy around my age, but then says to the guy, you know, an old gray beard like you. And then the guy's like, oh, I heard you were, you know, your your daughter told me about, you know, uh, your time in the war. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you were a hell of a pilot. I served uh, in the in the South Pacific. And he says they should put the whole thing on bubblegum cards. Wait, what? I didn't really understand it, but basically he was like, I don't want to talk about the war with this guy. This guy's yeah. trying to pretend like we're old war buddies all of a sudden. Like, fuck off. Mm. I don't, you know, uh, it like turns him off. He also sees a rolled up dollar uh, on the desk. Mm. And he knows exactly what that's for. Coke. Cocaine, Cane. snorting cocaine. Uh, but then right away he's like, "Uh, you got a phone? I gotta call the stewardess." It's like, buddy, <laughs> relax, take it down. And then uh, his his daughter's like, "Why did you call her a stewardess instead of a flight attendant?" And he says, "Oh, I want everybody to know that it's a woman." And then all the guys uh. laughed, and, and one guy says, "We're being reprogrammed." Uh, and uh, the, she's like, no, you're being deprogrammed. And I was like, wow, what culture run amok 41 years ago? Yeah, geez. It's almost like people are always against any kind of change, <laughs> any kind of progress whatsoever. Oh, and then right after that, just to kind of balance that out, 
uh, Joe thinks that his daughter's always been five pounds too heavy, but now she's ten pounds too heavy. Uh, but he's glad five to- <laughs> pounds too heavy isn't a thing. I know, At, like you would have to, I don't know, get like the maybe on a baby, out. maybe on a newborn baby, you'd be <laughs> right. able to tell five pounds. Yeah, you could five that you would have to like, yeah, do like a BMI index and be like, well, you're five pounds over the top, so like cut back a little bit and you'll be all right. Um, but he says that he's glad, he thinks that he's glad to see her still eating with Coke in her life. Hmm. So anyway, he's got a one track mind. He, he looks to the, to the window. He sees that the Jaguar is gone. So he calls down to his, you know, buddy, the security guard. I mean, it's in retrospect, it's like, oh, this was something bad, but reading it, it's like, Jesus Christ, man, Relax. <laughs> You don't have to call the cops about every car you see. Yeah. Um, And then he's thinking about, uh, oh, he also thinks I know my daughter sleeping with this other guy in the room. Like he just like picks up on. He's like, oh, fuck. She's sleeping with this guy. Who Um, cares? Well, I think it's that she's a real busybody. She sees this he, guy's got a walkie-talkie. My daughter's <laughs> having sex with this man. He oh, sees, they're all doing coke. Who he cares? sees that she that this guy's like a bad bad idea, and especially mm. like they were. I think this guy's her boss too. So he's so just that's fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Um, then he's thinking about uh, he. So he he goes to her office, I guess, or like a, a a random office, an empty office that she tells him he can use. He tries to call the stewardess. He gets her machine, um, but then he thinks about this um, German guy that he was on a plane with one time, and the German guy was telling him like, you know what, the best way to travel is, it's uh, uh, dirigibles. Is that how you say it? Dirigibles. Dirigibles. He's like 100 miles per hour, a, a thousand feet over the ocean. That's the best way to travel. It's crazy that that used to be a way to travel. Yeah. And that does Maybe. sound like the best way to travel. How fast does a plane go? Uh, like 500 miles, 600 miles an yeah. hour, 400. So why wouldn't you just do that? But this is like a cruise ship. Like it's nice. Like people dress up nice and they, you know, it took like a couple of days, but you like hung out, you went to dinner and stuff on these things. Let me see. It was elegant. But you were all inside. Yeah. You could open the windows. No, you couldn't. Yeah, you could open the windows. You sucked out. (laughs) A thousand feet up, you're not going to get sucked out. That's true. Um you wouldn't want to fall out. You'll die if you fall out. <laughs> um, yeah, but you'd die if you fall out of a moving car, too. But th- he he's thinking about this guy because, and I, I remember that this is in the movie. Um, this German guy told him, he's like, you want to know a secret? This is, and I want to try this, actually. He's like, if you want to wake up, wash your feet. It's like if you wash your feet and you walk around barefoot for a few minutes, that'll wake you right up. I mean, I wake up and I take a shower. I wash my. Oh feet no, in the but shower. I'm thinking. But he's saying like you know, if you're jet lagged, you're somewhere at night. Mm. You're you know, you have time to take a shower. Just uh, wet your feet real quick, and that'll wake mm. you up. Which does make sense. Like you can't be tired if your feet are wet. <laughs> um, no, you might just be tired and miserable though. Yeah, but then you get over it and you're awake. But anyway, he does it and he's like, huh, it works. And that happens in Die Hard. 
Um, as he's leaving the message, his phone, the phone cuts out and he's like, oh, it's eight o'clock. Maybe like the front desk stops forwarding calls at eight or maybe like her thing ran out of tape. Like, that's weird. And then he looks outside again and he sees that there's a truck outside and he's like, I saw that truck on our way in. That's also weird. And now he notices he's like the ventilation changed or something. But then he figures out, no, it's the music from the party down the hall has stopped. And he's like, mm. Mm, this is. Oh, and then he hears a woman scream. So he's like, oh, that's that's more than uh, just uh, music stopping. Right. So now he's officially like, shit, something's going on. And he has to make like a few very quick decisions. First off, he decides he does not have time to put his shoes on. Second mm-hmm. off, he's like, what do I do with my gun? Do I leave my if I'm caught with my gun, they'll kill me if I leave my gun here they might find my gun and kill he's me. Already yep, he's already here. He's already okay. uh, at, uh, operating at 100%. So he's All like, right. you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep my gun. That's the best place for it. And I just have to be careful. And he runs off into a stairwell. He goes up two flights and he's thinking about um, uh, this SWAT training that he had. And, he, and he's basically thinking like, this is the situation SWAT teams were made for. And he's thinking this is genius because if they cut off access to like the floor, then they've got like an impenetrable fortress up here in Mm -hmm. this high rise tower. They can't get up. There's only, you know, they cut the elevators too. So he's like, there's two stairwells. So that's all they would have to defend. This is genius. And then uh, he saw, he like sneaks back down and he sees the guy talking and he's got an accent and he's like, I recognize this guy. And he realizes this is Anton Gruber. Now in the movie, it's Hans Gruber. But in this, he's Anton Gruber, a.k.a. Little Tony. And now he's remembered thought of Tony as an Anton. Yeah. <laughs> but and now he's thinking about this police conference he went to, like a big police conference about like SWAT teams and all this stuff and how like th- this guy got up and gave this whole speech about like you have to remember like this is in the 70s when like people were real afraid of terrorists. Like he's afraid not afraid, but thinking a lot on the way of the plane about like if the plane gets hijacked, he's got a gun, there's an air marshal, and he's also thinking like that air marshal doesn't even know like I'm one of the people that designed how you respond to these situations. Uh. So he has experience with this, but he's thinking about this police conference where this guy st- like got up and gave this whole like long monologue about how. Like, uh, basically saying like, look, uh, you have to not really think about hostages in a terrorist situation the same way you don't negotiate with terrorists. Like the, the primary concern is killing the terrorists so that they're never, so that deters other terrorists. And sometimes that means hostages are going to get killed. And that's just a reality you have to accept. And uh, he says, Let's see how that works when his daughter's one of the terrorists. Well, no, no, hostages. Leland's not thinking that. 
he's thinking yeah. about this guy giving this speech and he's thinking about how one by one people in the room got up and um uh started uh um applauding him and Leland and like the guy next to him didn't get up until the end and uh and Leland said something like to shoot him no Leland said uh a lot of a lot of innocent people are gonna die and like somebody turned around and was like hey whatever (laughs) (laughs) so basically he's also realizing like oh if the SWAT team comes in here they'll just mow down this entire room so I also don't want that to happen. Um, and uh, uh, he hears one of the elevators moving as he's like hiding. So somebody's in an elevator going somewhere. And then the chapter ends. And that's the the end of where I read. And he hasn't seen his daughter. He doesn't know for sure if his daughter's in that room. Uh, and if she is where she is. Boy, so, yeah. oh boy. It's exciting. So I like it. I like it so far. Exci- aside from like every book we read, some racist shit. <laughs> yeah, even the newer books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I still, uh, I'm enjoying the book so far. It's, uh, it's a fast paced read. I like it. It's a, you know, yeah. It's like a good, uh, good airplane book. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really read kind of like a trashy... Like thriller, uh, airport thriller. Um, And I'm actually a little surprised uh, in what, you know, maybe it falls apart towards the end. But considering it's the book Die Hard's based on, that this isn't a more well-known book so far. Yeah. Not that it's, you know, a literary masterpiece, but it's like, oh, this is as good as like anything... uh, you know, John Grisham or, uh, uh, you know, one of those guys has put out James Patterson. Yeah. That's who I'm thinking of mostly like it. Yeah. This is as good as a James Patterson. And I would think just, you know, putting the, the book Die Hard was based on, on the cover would make yeah, it. Yeah. But all those have like a shelf life of like two to three years anyway. I guess that's really what it is that out. like yeah. none of them are ever like, oh, this is it. And it's like no, almost like proceed like TV procedures. Yeah, like, it's like no. There's a new Jack Reacher book every year, and like yeah. none are better or worse than the last one by any mm-hmm. measurable degree. There's not a definitive. No, you have to read the first Jack Reacher. That's the one. It's like no, you can pick them up, pick up any one of them. You know, they're not necessarily disposable, but consumable. Yeah, Tom, I've been obsessed with this website. Called How Old Were They Then? Do you know about this? <laughs> no, but I, I can kind of figure out what it is. You put in a movie or TV show. Yeah. And it tells you how old the cast, oh, each God. cast member was at the I'm gonna time. I'm going to block that. Uh, I'm going to log into my router and block that. The, uh, Die Hard 1988. Uh, how old do you think Bruce Willis was when he started in it? Like 29, maybe? No, he's 33. Oh, okay. That what makes about me feel Reginald right. Bell Johnson? <laughs> oh man 30 36 oh okay um that's actually that's actually not a bad not a bad one no i but, mean um, i remember him you know what reginald bell johnson's one of those guys that doesn't age you know yeah like if you put yeah. two pictures next if you put you know present day and die hard next to each other yeah you'd be able to tell but uh but otherwise i feel like he's always looked the same he's always been like the same weight uh, same yeah. look, like he's never changed his look. 
Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good Twitter follow. He is. Um, Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks was 38, and that's one that's kind of like, oh, I'm at the Gump threshold, man, and I don't know if that feels good. Yeah. It is weird, like, when I think about that kind of stuff, though, like, I lately at least, like, take a step back and think, like, well, how old do I, did I think that person was no exactly it really grounds you in the like i'm not but it grounds you in the like oh i'm not a kid (laughs) right because how old did i think they were yeah i thought he was in his late 30s how old do i think i am and then (laughs) that that's the thing that fucks you up yeah that's that's what the web no the website should be how old do i think i am grown up yeah no, I mean we have we have a friend uh a friend of both of ours. I remember like after college uh somebody was interested in him and he's like, "Oh, this guy's like a pedophile." <laughs> it's like you're 24. He's not a yeah. pedophile. Yeah, we had a friend uh, a girl who a woman who would take the train to work and she'd be like, "Yeah, sometimes I'd see guys checking me out and be like, you freaking pedophile, you creep. <laughs> and then she'd be like, oh, wait, I'm 28 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, that guy's actually younger than I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's just a thing. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't know. You know, I know people that think and act older than they are, and that's worse. Yeah. No, I'm trying to figure out if this is a bad thing, because, like, I am frequently mistaken... Not frequently, but for occasionally a homeless mistaken man? for for younger than I am. Oh, I see. Like people are surprised that I've in like on the one hand it's like, okay, maybe this is a good thing for my looks. Yeah. But is that a terrible thing <laughs> for my overall vibe? I and guess like yeah. where I'm at in my life. Yeah. Like is it like is it like, oh you're thirty eight? Oh shit, I'm sorry. Or is it like Oh, cool. Yeah, you look good for 38. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would have thought you, you looked like five years younger. I've known people that look older than they are, and then I found out how old they are, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you don't want to say, like, I thought you were immature, but you're actually just old looking. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, age ain't nothing but a number. Hopefully these people think, like, Man, what a mature young man. And then when they find out how old I am, they're like, oh, still kind of young right. and uh, very mature and professional and lovely. <laughs> and a real yes. smoke show. I'm, I'm sure that's what everybody thinks of you, Tim. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for confirming. Uh, all right. We'll be back. Uh, I forget what chapters they are. Sorry. Also, I like posted on like I was adjusting the template for the read along and i was like i have everything set right i have everything set all right let me publish it and then i realized like oh no i didn't i changed the dates didn't change the chapters it has Uh, since been fixed but in the email you got the chapters are wrong tom i got news for you nobody's reading along with this one. yeah i think i think very very few people read along in general hey we love when people read along but it's certainly not required have you read along at all for we're, any of the books? Sound off in the comments. Let us know which one. Yeah, actually, that, that is a good. Uh, I that's would be a, that's interested that's a in good that. Thing. We should have mentioned that earlier because I think a lot of people drop off at this point. <laughs> 
But uh, uh, that ruined my train of thought. I forget what I was going to say. Sorry. Eh, we'll be back next week with more yeah. of this shit. More next week. We'll see what happens to Joe Leland in the case of Nothing Ever Happened. What's it called? Nothing, Nothing lasts, lasts forever. forever. Even cold November rain. <laughs> That's Thank how you. I've got to remember it. Nothing uh, lasts forever. That that's how I remember it from now on. Yeah. And what a jerk slash just walking out of the church to rip a solo during his best friend's wedding. Um the best solo. Yeah, it is a pretty good solo. Alright, we'll see you next week. What? Bye. I was gonna say thanks for being a patron. We love you very much. You're welcome. Goodbye. Goodbye.